great future. We're talking real money. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Talking Real Money, live from Retire Meet North, our very first northern retire meet in Everett, Washington. We've got a full house here today, and we're broadcasting our speakers on the radio show today. And I'm Don McDonald, and up on the stage with our next guest, Tom Cock. And thank you, Don. Great to have everybody out here this afternoon in Everett. And by the way, we're doing two more of these events in September, so those will be up on the website here soon. We'll be in Seattle and in Tacoma. Many of you have a lot of equity in your homes tied up there, not working for you. Might be a reason to tap some of that. Maybe you can even delay Social Security and other financial planning. And in the old days, they always told us, never do a reverse mortgage. Too expensive, too complicated, lose your house. All that has gone away. It's much simpler. It's much less expensive. And here to learn and help us explain, all, learn more about all this, guy who's really good at this, please give a warm welcome to Harlan Acola from Fairway. Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you. You know, it's, it's very interesting. I do these all over the country for about the last 10 years. And the vast majority of people, how many of you are planning on getting a reverse mortgage as soon as you turn 62? Look at that. No hands. That happens all the time. If somebody put their hands up, I'd say, you've been to one of my other seminars. This is the facts. I will do a reverse mortgage the day I turn 62, whether I'm working or not, or whether or not I have a lot of money or a little bit of money. In fact, 90% of people should take a look at a reverse mortgage the day they turn 62. This is not something that I'm throwing out because this is a way for Fairway to sell more reverse mortgages. All of the information I'm going to share has been proven and backed up by people a whole lot smarter than me. People like Dr. Wade Fow, who I've studied with, Dr. Barry Sachs, who's a uh, professor uh, uh, who has taught tax law and retirement for years, uh, and a lot of other researchers from the American College, uh, Harold Avensky's group and John Salter, who have put this information together. If you have an interest in, if you're an engineer and you want to read a book about reverse mortgages, we'll put that together. Uh, and, and get you a copy of that. But here's the deal, which is really weird. Nobody wants them. Why wouldn't everybody want to get a reverse mortgage if they're so great and they make so much sense? I fly Southwest all the time, almost every week. I'm sorry for the Alaska people in the, uh, in the uh, uh, listening uh, group today. But when you get on Southwest, you can sit wherever you want, and there's no assigned seats. I'm on the A-list because I fly all the time, so I board right after the people that need assistance. So every time I get to get on the plane and there's four or five or six of my target market sitting right there because the people that need assistance are sometimes the people over 62. And I get to sit down next to them and talk to them for an hour or two. They're not so excited when I sit down. They say, what do you do? Well, I train on reverse mortgages. And they, oh, man, I wish I had an Amway guy. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And seniors do not have earpieces to put in. So they have to listen to me for an hour. You know that it has rarely ever failed that people have a completely different idea, and I always have a copy of my book to give them to read afterwards that we can't cover in an hour. Because the fact is, and I'll even tell you about my own family and about what people think of reverse mortgages, but there's four things that people think are awful about reverse mortgage. They think that there is a loss, that they are going to lose something. They're going to lose control of their house. They're going to lose their house. They're going to lose equity. It's just something that they're going to lose. The second thing is they think, as Tom already mentioned, they're very expensive. And the third thing that they say is, oh, this is bad for the kids. Now we won't have an inheritance for the children because, after all, we want to give the house to the kids. Does anybody know how many kids move into their parents' houses after they die? One out of 200. But 90% of you want to give your house to your kids. 
Would you knowingly give a gift, uh, knowingly give a gift, a Christmas gift to your son or daughter that you knew they were going to take back to the store? No, you give them cash. You'd give them a gift card or something. But the fact is, is that we all want to pass on our house when that's one of the most inefficient ways to do it. Pass on life insurance, pass on a mutual fund account, pass on a real estate investment trust, something else besides your house. Because the fact is, is that investments are a lot more powerful and a lot more helpful. And then the fourth thing is, is that people are afraid. There's the fear thing that comes into it. And I've heard this and I've heard that. It's a, a, a whole chapter that I read in my book about behavioral, wrote in my book about behavioral economics. I was always afraid as a little kid when my dad was snoring in the room next door. And I started crying and my mom would come in and say, it's your dad snoring. And I said, no, there's a bear in the closet. And I was crying, and she'd have to take me over. I won't tell you how old I was before this stopped. But I went over to the, she took me over to the closet, and she turned the light on. And she said, see, Harlan, there's no bear in the closet. It's just your dad snoring in the next room. That's what I do all the time as I travel around is turn the light on and reverse mortgages and say there's not a bear in the closet. Nothing that's going to come out with big uh, teeth and take your house away and wreck things. But here's the deal that people don't realize. We are in a very difficult situation. You've heard about this from the other speakers. We have right over to the right the number of baby boomers. My dad came home from the war in 1946 and he married my mom. And that later that year, they had my older brother, Larry, 1946, and that started the whole baby boom thing, him and a few million other servicemen, obviously. But the fact is, is that that is something that has changed forever what's going on because 10,000 babies were born every single day for uh, an entire 20 years. We'll be back with more from Retire Meet North and Everett. Harlan Akala from Fairway Mortgage and uh, many others. Stick around. It's a unique radio experience. Tom and Don are talking real money. Keeping the podcast breaks as painless as possible is my goal. That's why I want to very quickly tell you about the only magazine I've ever heard of that is one hundred percent real investing all the time there's no business news no speculative advice and certainly no lifestyle stuff it's called real investing journal i publish it every quarter and you can get two full years for only 25 bucks at realinvestingjournal.com that's realinvestingjournal.com your guides to a really great financial future tom and don are talking real money and Tom and Don are at Retire Meet North and Everett along with our special guest, Harlan Akala from Fairway Mortgage, talking about reverse mortgages. In my book, Cinderella, uh, the, or ba uh, reverse mortgage is the Cinderella of the retirement, uh, baby boomer retirement. It's very important to understand that we have a state of the kingdom that is different than it's ever been before. My dad from 1946 was part of that baby boomer group that had four of us kids with three of my siblings. At the end of the baby boomer age, which is about 64, now all of those people, 10,000 babies a day that were born, are now all turning 62. So yesterday and today and tomorrow, 10,000 people are turning 62. Never had that much uh, influx into the Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid system. If all the baby boomers retire at 62, according to Boston College for Retirement Research, 84% will run out of money before they run out of life. If they wait till 66, 50% will still run out of money. For those of you that have plenty of money and say, that's not my problem, it will be because your taxes will go up dramatically to take care of the people because when you run out of money, you go on welfare and welfare is paid by the taxpayers. 
we have an issue. My dad, we already heard from Paul, what happened back in the 80s? My dad retired on $200,000, and he could make more on CDs with free toasters and free Tulsets than what we can make on stock funds on a million dollars in 2018. That was an entirely different thing. So if you say, oh, my, my dad and my grandpa, they did fine. They didn't need a reverse mortgage. The fact of the matter is this. We don't have the pensions, and there's $8.2 trillion in IRA assets. There's $5.8 trillion in 401k assets for all people in the United States, but there's $6.5 trillion sitting in seniors' equity doing absolutely nothing. This is equity, and this is cash. Reverse mortgages, uh, and for the radio listeners, we have a play $100 bill and we have a paper $100 bill. And the fact of the matter is, is people fall in love with equity. And they love to put money into equity, which is exactly what you should do until you're 62. But once you turn 62, we can free up anywhere between 40 to 60% of the value of your home guaranteed and insured by the Federal Housing Administration that you can use that cash, never pay it back, and still be allowed to live in your house. And we give you that money in three different ways. That money can be given in a lump sum if you're using it to purchase a home or if you're refinancing an existing mortgage. We'll give it to you in a line of credit that's guaranteed to grow that can never be taken away. Because people say, I've got a line of credit. Did you know that it can be taken away and it can be canceled? Mine was canceled in 2009. What if you need it in retirement and it gets canceled when there's another crisis? The fact is, is that a reverse mortgage can never be taken away. Once it's in place and you pay the taxes and you live in the house, you can never lose it. So the fact is, is that we can also give you monthly loan proceeds, just kind of like an annuity payment that every single year you, or every single month you get a certain payment and that's guaranteed for the rest of your life, even if you live to be 105 or later. So you have the ability to create liquidity for a certain portion of your money. And if you don't do that, then it's stuck there and you've got to get the money from somewhere else. So the bottom line is, is that people that store money in equity and pay off their house and come to me at cocktail parties or birthday parties and elbow me and say, I don't need you guys anymore. My house is paid off. It's free and clear. I'm all done with you mortgage people. And I always say the same thing. I'm sorry to hear that. Not because I'm being sarcastic. I'm sorry to hear that you took 300, 500, 800,000, a million, whatever the number is, and dumped it into one piece of dirt, one bricks and sticks investment in one city and state in the United States. And it's all tied up. Would any of you, no matter how good you think the stock is, would any of you put $500,000 into one stock, cash, and have it not be liquid that you cannot sell it unless you can find one buyer? to be able to take that over, you'd never do that. You'd put things into diversification. No investment advisor would allow that to be done because you should not have that much exposure in one investment in one place. It just really doesn't make sense. But people do it all the time because emotionally of the depression era mentality. My grandpa almost lost his house because he had a mortgage on the property in 1929. But that we're not in 1929. There were no reverse mortgages until 1988. A reverse mortgage is federally insured, and they're more expensive because you pay for mortgage insurance to guarantee that no matter how long you live, even if the house goes down in value, even if the market crashes, even if everything changes, you are guaranteed a certain amount of money out of your house every single month or out of the line of credit no matter what. It's federally guaranteed, it's for sure, and it's not guaranteed by the taxpayers. It's guaranteed by the overall fund that goes into it. So, of course, we know that you've got to be over 62 
and it's got to be a home that is FHA qualified or a condo, and it is not income and it is tax free. Now, how many things do you know that are absolutely tax free and you can pull them out and not have to pay them back? The fact is, is that there's all kinds of people that say yes, but if I pull money out of my house, I'm going to lose equity. Of course you are. But I saw a sign outside a church a long time ago that said, the cost of living is high, but it's still extremely popular. The fact is, is we've got to pay money somehow. It costs about $10,000 to get buried uh, and have a funeral. And then that's the last thing. You don't have to pay anything after that. There's no cost after you're dead. But while we're alive, we have to get the money from somewhere. So either you have to work longer, or you have to pull money out of your equities, or you have to pull money from somewhere else. It is absolutely critically important that that happens, that you are very, very careful about using the equity. Because you know something? Equity, I want to hurt some of your feelings. Equity is worthless in retirement. And you say, oh, no, no, well, equity is worth something. Take this little $100 bill that I've got, this Play $100 bill, with a picture of your house and go to a grocery store and tell them you want some groceries and say, I've got this $500,000 house and it's paid off. They will, of course, give you nothing. You have to have cash or credit card to buy things at a grocery store, a gas station, whatever. They do not accept equity. So equity is like a big box glass case that you have in your living room, and you cannot use it, and it is 100% worthless. That $6.5 trillion does nothing for you. You can't take your grandkids on a trip. You can't take a cruise with Tom and Don to Alaska. You cannot fix your roof. You can do nothing with that money that is sitting inside your house. So the bottom line is, is if you start pulling money out and you pay off your existing mortgage, I will challenge any of you, and you can go to Vestry, any financial advisor that understands reverse mortgages, and there's very, very few of them, so you're fortunate that you're working with Vestry, and if they understand reverse mortgages, they'll say, just a minute, instead of pulling money out of your investment bucket, why don't you just simply take some money out of the reverse mortgage? Because the more equity that is taken out of the reverse mortgage, the more cash that you have and cash is more valuable in retirement. Do you know that if you take out a reverse mortgage, you will have more cash flow, and you will pay less in taxes, and you will have a higher net worth and a larger legacy to pass on to your kids, proven by the researchers that have already looked at this and run thousands of Monte Carlo simulations. You do not have less to pass on to your kids. You have less equity, but you have more cash but people put way too much value on equity and not enough value on cash. We are at Retire Meet North in Everett, a very special presentation of Talking Real Money, the first time we've ever done the actual show on the radio. Our guest right now, Harlan Akala from Fairway Mortgage. We'll be back, spend a few more minutes with him, and then Rick Gregorick from Gregorick & Associates will be up, so don't go away. Tom and Don are talking real money. If you need help allocating your retirement plan at work, you can get free help at 401411.com. That's 401411.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. The show continues live from Retire Meet North in uh, Everett, Washington. Our special guest, Harlan Akala from Fairway Mortgage, talking about reverse mortgages for about another five minutes. 
Okay, the most important story I can tell you, and you can come over to our table or you can go to fairwayreverse.com, and you can also get a free copy of my book for those of you that are attendees. Just go over to our booth. We don't have enough copies, but we, if you give us your name and address, we'll make sure that we get a copy of the book to you. Here's one of the most important stories that I would like to tell you about, and that is a story of my own family because there's a lot of people that think that reverse mortgages are a bad idea, and my family thought it was. My youngest son, Isaac, came to me one day about eight years ago when he was a smart aleck 16-year-old, and I was bragging about a reverse mortgage that I just did, and Isaac said, you know something, Dad? I think those things are a big ripoff. I said, really? And he said, they're bad for the kids, too. You're ripping off the old people and the kids. Why do you do this, Dad? I was out of the blue. I had no idea. And he said, I've been talking to big brother Ben over there on the right side of the screen. And Ben's an attorney, and he doesn't think they're a good idea either. I said, really, Ben has never said anything like that to me. Well, he said, Dad, you helped him through law school, so he doesn't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> so, wow, what about Josh and Luke? What did they think? Well, Josh is an engineer, and he has no idea how the numbers are going to come out. And Luke works at a major U.S. bank, and he, is, he, he knows that if U.S. bank doesn't sell them, they're no good. Inside of a few minutes, I realized my whole family thought I was kind of like running a Ponzi scheme or something. You kind of want your kids to be proud of you when they weren't. That's what a lot of people think about reverse mortgages. So what I did, this is where this little diagram came from of the three buckets. And it's a very simple scenario. The three buckets are simply everybody has this wealth. I've oversimplified it. The bucket on the left is your monthly income. The bucket in the middle is the money that Vestry manages. And the bucket on the end is your home. Now, I told and explained to Isaac that we are putting thousands of dollars, as much as we can as we earn money, into bucket two, our investment bucket, that we send to a vestry and a professional advisor that does something like this. But we are also taking thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and dumping it into bucket three. If we give the money to vestry, cash, they'll give us back cash. If we put money into bucket three, you know what happens to it? It turns into this equity and we can't touch it until somebody buys our house or we can refinance our house. So Isaac, we are going to make sure, yes, your worst fears are realized, we're going to be pulling money out of bucket three as soon as we turn 62 because we want more money in bucket two. And he said, wow, I didn't get that. So I said, do you want bucket two or do you want bucket three? He said, we'll take bucket two. That sounds good. We talked to the rest of the kids, and obviously it was a lot more complicated than that, but to the fact of the matter is, is the kids are better off. This story ended very well. Isaac went to University of Wisconsin-Madison, got a degree in finance and real estate, and wrote a paper on reverse mortgages, no longer the loan of last resort, and got an A on it. So did his brothers understand, and now I get cards every birthday saying, you got six years left, you got five years left, got one last week, you got four years left. They know for the betterment of our family and the betterment of us having a better retirement that a reverse mortgage makes more sense. And that is exactly why we're going to do it in our family. Now, if our family can figure that out, whether you're paying off an existing mortgage, whether you're taking out a line of credit to avoid sequence of returns risk, whether you're delaying Social Security, whether you're doing a deferred annuity instead of an immediate annuity, whatever it is, you are going to have your money last longer than if you don't do a reverse mortgage. And if you wait and do a reverse mortgage at the end, the experts have clearly spoken on that and written all the books on that. Uh, and all of the research has shown the earlier you do a reverse mortgage, the better off you will be and the better off your heirs will be. That is the thing that is most important. So very big topic to handle in just a short half hour, 
but just feel free to stop by and ask for a copy of the book uh, or uh, go to fairwayreverse.com and find uh, an option of learning more about it. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to a very unusual and strange subject. <laughs> Arlen Dakula, thank you very much. Unusual and strange subject. That's what we do a lot at Retire Meets. We do unusual, strange, and uh, valuable subjects. And that's what we're doing today at Retire Meet North and Everett. We've got other Retire Meets coming up in September. And we'll have more about those at retiremeet.com. Coming up next, Rick Gregorick from Gregorick & Associates talking about the law and your retirement. So please stay with us. Tom and Don are talking real money. We mention 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 throughout the podcast. But you need to know that you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave your question, and those will be answered in special Talking Real Money podcasts that will appear on this particular site in the future. So give us a call, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. for a really great future. We're talking real money. We don't believe that a radio show has ever been done like this before. We are actually presenting live for you the event at Retire Meet North in Everett, our actual speakers on the actual show, Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald, and up on stage now, Mr. Tom Cock. Well, some of you, of course, have a mother-in-law. Some have a son-in-law, but you have a partner in law. Well, that's what we're here to t- You like that? Thank you. Uh, we'll be here. All- yeah. Uh, it really is a pleasure to introduce our next speaker. He's somebody that uh, wow, I've worked with going again back like 15, 16, way before they're back when, when, back when we had the show on KVI. And uh, he's done a lot of great work for us as a lawyer, too. Right? That kind of- I guess I can say that. You, you can't can say, say it. it. Sure. I can say that. Um, and he's done a lot of these great classes with us because he really gives you terrific information. Overcoming retirement challenges. Please give a warm welcome to Rick Gregorick. Rick? Well, thank you, Tom. As always, it's uh, my pleasure. So uh, thank you so much. And, you know, the relationship with uh, Vestry was predated by uh, Merriman Capital. We've known Paul for almost the entire time I've practiced law because I came into law as, uh, I always say, as a grown-up. I was an aerospace jockey up until 38 years old, worked at Northrop primarily on intercontinental ballistic missile guidance systems. And now I'm doing retirement planning as an attorney. How about that? So it's a very interesting um, thing. But I really wanted to start out, you know, the first part of, you know, my short presentation today, and it is short, it's very abridged, but really thanking Vestry for putting these events on. They've done a great job. Um, we do a lot of other events throughout the year. I'd encourage you to check them out. They have a little bit different agendas each time. But one of the key things I want to stress is integrated planning. You cannot do your planning by talking to one advisor or yourself. You're going to need to put together a team for yourself. Now, don't think that that means you're going to spend more money, because I think in the long run, you're going to spend a lot less So we hear a lot about people having teams of advisors. Is there anybody in the room here who has an attorney, a CPA, and a financial advisor that actually regularly coordinate with each other? Why not? 
They're all dealing with your future and your finances and your taxes. Shouldn't they all be on the same page and make sure that their professional advice is aligned to your specific goals and objectives? And the only way that's going to happen is if they're proactively working with you and with each other. So today we're really wanting to do just a very high-level overview of what I consider to be essential estate planning. Each and every one of us, from the time we turn 18, needs to have an estate plan. For folks that are under 40, one of the most disturbing things is how many times they have premature deaths or disabilities, and many of them have young children. These are your, most likely your children. Some of you may be your grandchildren. And these are really tragic times. Most of you don't think about your estate planning until you get into your 60s. Worse yet, some of you wait to get into your estate planning until you've had an illness. You've just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. You've just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. This is not the time to start your planning. I think our mantra is plan early, plan often. So we're going to take a quick look at an overview of your planning. We'll kind of compare and contrast will-based planning and trust-based planning. They're very similar, yet very different. No one size fits all. So you will choose the type of planning based on your goals, your objectives. Just like in your investments, it's got to be about your risk tolerance. When you're investing, you have to be able to sleep at night. You know, now for a full disclosure as an attorney, we've worked with Tom for years and years and years. As he mentioned, uh, we actually are his law firm as well. But our law firm's um, 401k plan is managed by Vestry. And it's just a magnificent thing to watch how this acted versus our old 401k program. We're actually making money now because of the costs and expenses in 401ks and that. So it's something that we want to all take a look at and really kind of see what you want to look at. So we're going to look at wills and trust. We're going to look at some of the ancillary documents that go along with that. And we're going to do that right when we get back from a crass paid commercial. Crass? It's a vestry commercial. Need I say more? Oh, there you go. Ah, oh, there we go. Here we are at Retire Meet North in Everett with our special guest, Rick Gregorick from Gregorick and Associates, talking about wills and trusts and estate planning. And we have a lot more coming up right after this. Tom and Don are talking real money. All right, let's get this break out of the way really quickly. If you're looking for an investment advisor, you need a fee-only, 100% fiduciary, low-cost, science-based advisor. And that describes Vestory. If you'd like to learn more about us, it's really easy. Go to Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, or give us a call at 800-386-3004. 800-386-3004. There, that wasn't so bad. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. I'm Don McDonald with a special edition of Talking Real Money from Retire Meet North in Everett, Washington. Our special guest this hour, an overview of estate planning, Attorney Rick Gregory. Okay, so as we're continuing on on our brief little uh, walk through here, we're not going to have time for the case studies, it says. But when I first began practicing, I was mortified because, first off, I was an adult, so I, I had some fears that we don't have when we're younger. And my fear was embarrassing myself or committing malpractice, God forbid, or, you know, just missing something. 
you're talking to me about your life, your situation, your planning, and how do I possibly remember all the different options and opportunities that you might have? So working in concert with some other attorneys at the time, we developed this model that I've titled our wealth plan system. We're talking primary tools today. Primary tools are your wills, trusts, powers of attorney, healthcare directives, things of that nature. Everything that are basic, all of us need it regardless of our wealth or lack thereof. We need to have that. The other modules that are surrounding the primary tools are all of the different tools that an estate planner has available for you depending on your circumstances. At the top of our pyramid, we put philanthropic planning, charitable planning, everything you might be able to do during your lifetime or testamentary after your death regarding charitable planning through charitable organizations, foundations, trust, direct beneficiaries, things of that nature. Charitable planning plays a huge role in many people's lives because they're philanthropic. It plays an even bigger role in people who have larger estates because of taxes. So we always want to look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. Some of you will have philanthropy in your plan, some won't. Wealth transfer tools. This is a really fun box for the attorney because it has a whole bunch of different types of irrevocable trust with the theme of sharing. Senior generation down to the next generation in asset protected, tax savvy modes. We have lots of different types of things there. Some of them aren't even really legal, so to speak. Uh, a 529 college savings plan is actually a trust. It's one you set up with your financial advisor. In fact, Vestry does a great job on 529s and helping you pick the right jurisdiction for your 529. So you don't have to get it just in Washington because you're here. Maybe Utah's a good state to get one in. Then our last module up here is our business tools. In estate planning, we use corporations, limited liability companies, limited partnerships, limited liability, limited partnerships, and all kinds of other organizations, but we adapt them, and, and they're usually managing passive assets like real estate holdings, or maybe it's just holding a large investment portfolio, and we protected that portfolio from any potential lawsuits. So we use these business tools for asset protection, structured gifting, and a lot of other uh, really cool things. But all of this is going to depend on what your goals and your objectives are, and then which modules are going to have benefits for you. And it's my job to try to figure out as many options as you have, knowing you won't want to do all of them. But how do you make a good decision if you don't know what they are? Wouldn't it be bad to make a decision and three years later say, well, gee, I'd have rather done this had I known. So I want to try to, for all my clients, make sure you have the what's known. And back to this integrated approach, we really want to pull in your retirement planning, your insurance, your investment, your taxes. Maybe there's another bullet up here, your housing, your senior housing. Where are you going to live if you can't live in your own home because of medical reasons? People think about Medicaid and all that thing as medical care. Medicaid's really about housing cost. The nursing home becomes your home, and the government pays for that through Medicaid. None of our health insurance pays for housing. And that's one of the things that is very confusing to a lot of folks. But putting your team together, and then you working that. You are the boss. Make sure you always remember 
When you're working with your financial advisors, your CPA, your attorney, whomever it might be, you are their boss. We are here to serve you. And if you don't feel like you're being served, there might be a problem. So we want to make sure that you have the information that you need so you can make wise, informed decisions. I get asked all the time, well, what's the difference between estate planning and elder law? Well, in one regard, there's no, no difference. We're just planning under different circumstances. But generally, when we talk about traditional estate planning, which is more of the focus today, we're talking about planning from today out into the future. In Medicaid planning or elder law, even gets into special needs planning, we're usually looking at a situation where there's declining health and declining financial resources, and there is a high likelihood that you may need government assistance. And this is a terribly difficult area of law. It's very complicated, and it is full of all kinds of landmines out there. And so if you have a family member that might be running out of money, they have dementia, they have Parkinson's, any of the other things that afflict us today, and there are so many, they need to make sure they're meeting with an elder law attorney early. Don't go transferring the house. Don't go gifting any money. You may be committing felonies. You've got to be really careful. Don't think you know what you're doing because common sense doesn't always work when we're talking about government programs. Would everybody agree with that? And Medicaid is a very complicated medical program. So one of the first questions we always want to ask is, what is my estate? What's it made up of? Pretty much everything that you have. Your house, everything in your checkbook, so to speak, all your financial accounts, all your stocks and bonds, your retirement accounts, your IRAs, all of your jewelry, all the clothes on your back, your cars, and your life insurance. A lot of people say, oh, no, life insurance isn't taxable. My agent told me so. What your agent said is it not income taxable. It's not taxable for income taxes if you take your proceeds out of your life insurance policy. There's no income tax on it. But it's absolutely subject to estate and inheritance taxes. So just make sure you always understand that. If you have over a $1 million life insurance policy in your own name, I would tell you, please call me. We can put that in an irrevocable life insurance and take that million dollars out of your estate such that the state doesn't become a beneficiary of your life insurance policy because I don't, I've never met anyone yet who put state of Washington as the primary beneficiary on their life insurance. But if you have a taxable estate and that million dollars of life insurance is there, de facto that's what you've done. And I know you don't want to do that. Who is going to be the people are in my plan? This is probably one of the most challenging decisions many people face. We oftentimes say, well, I'll just pick my oldest kid. That might be the worst decision in the world. We need to have a good discussion over the inventory of people available in your plan. You need to select them just like you're selecting someone for a job candidate. Do they have the skills, the time, the integrity, the, you know, the truthfulness, the honesty? You've got four kids, three daughters, and an alpha brother. Is the alpha brother necessarily the best person to put in charge? Maybe not. We need to have an honest discussion about your fiduciaries, and that's exactly what we do when you come in and see us.
That was it? Well, I thought you my well, I'm giving I'm giving listen, I'm giving you the thirty second thing. Ah, you gotta 30 wrap more it. Seconds. You gotta wrap it. I thought you were dusting your head That's off. That's a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> well <laughs> okay. So picking the right people to be in charge of your finances and your medical is so critical to your plan. I can and he's done. Plan. In addition to the Talking Real Money podcast, I also do another podcast that's very popular over at Apple Podcasts. It's called Money 30. Every day I try to educate and inform you about money in a brief two to four minute podcast. So check them out at Apple Podcasts or all the other podcast services or at money30.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. And this hour draws to a close. Rick Gregorick, more information on Rick uh, and Rick's great services are available at rjglegal.com. And if you'd like to listen in to our Q&A with all of our experts, we're going to move that over to KVI, 770 AM at the top of the hour. So tune in for that. And thank you for being a part of Retire Meet North in Everett right here on Talking Real Money. That the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?